Welcome to Presence Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit PresenceOC.org. Before we start preaching, <laughs> I just, uh, I was thinking of some of you. If you see yourself and you imagine seeing yourself right now and you're not shining white, I'm talking glowing white. I'm talking I'm talking whiter than snow. Imagine whiter than snow. Snow's really white. You guys ever seen the sun hit snow? It literally can blind you. You're whiter than that. Like some people are like, I'm kind of white. No, dude, you're white. You're shining. Shining. How do you view yourself right now? Seriously, how do you view yourself right now? Are you shining that white? Because you might be seeing yourself on the wrong side of the river. I need you, by God's grace, to see yourself rightly. Because his blood paid for something. Own it. His blood is stronger than your conscience. (laughs) Even if your conscience bears witness against you, his blood is greater. Where do you see yourself? How do you see yourself? You're shining. You're shining. Oh, my gosh. Anyways, that was my little prophetic thing I felt. You're shining, whiter than snow. And ever you feel like, oh, I'm this or that, dude, you just need to think of yourself just whiter than snow because that's the reality. It's interesting. If you actually believe that you're the righteousness of God, you'll actually produce the holiness of God. You guys know that? That's a Bible verse. I love the Bible. Raise your hand if you like the Bible. Raise your hand if you're kind of like, man, the Bible's confusing sometimes. It says... Present yourselves to God as instruments of righteousness for holiness. It's going to be really impossible for you to produce the holiness of God if you don't start with faith in the blood of Jesus that you've become the righteousness of God. I just got to say that. You're so white, it's ridiculous. You're shining. You're glorious. You're filled with his glory. Wow. If you were to imagine Jesus on the throne right now, what do you see? You know, it's a Christian practice to imagine Jesus on the throne. The Bible says to contemplate his glory. This has nothing to do with the sermon. I'm just going to say it. What does it look like for you to contemplate God's glory? The other day we were in the, uh, the church office and a few of us, uh, Yesenia and Tiffany, I forget who else was in there, but we were contemplating the glory of Jesus. And we just started seeing all these crazy colors and crazy bright lights shining off of our Lord, just standing on the throne. How fun is that? The Bible says to contemplate his glory. We're not just like Christians who get to come to church once a week and then never think about God again. And all of a sudden you come to church again and some pastor preaches to you, you go, that was a great message, pastor. And then go back home and you never know what you're going to do, who you're going to talk to or anything Christian at all. And then all of a sudden you come back, boom. No, every day the Lord's just saying like, hey, I'm real. I love you so much. The Bible says, set your mind on things above, not on things on earth, where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. The Bible says, come boldly before the throne of grace. The Bible says, to look to him, the author and finisher of our faith, Jesus. The Bible says, to contemplate the glory of the Lord, that you're transformed from glory to glory as you contemplate, meditate, think on him. You got a real God who really, really, really loves you who cares for you, who's awesome, and he wants to walk with us. Isn't that fun? 
If you guys, if we crack our Bibles open in the Old Testament, it's hilarious. You crack open your Bible and you look at people who are like massive saints. I'm talking massive saints, like Enoch. The dude didn't even die. He didn't even die. He just went, gone. He's hanging out right now in the heavenlies. What, what was he known for? He just walked with God. Wow. So simple. So simple. You guys got Bibles. We got some to talk about. Go to Matthew chapter 23. Oh, you guys having fun on Sunday? I love coming to church. I was thinking about during worship. <laughs> I was thinking, you know, some pastor, and I know this because I've been pastoring for more than a decade, but some pastors don't like coming to church. Sunday's like not the fun day for a lot of pastors. I was just thinking, man, this church is really fun. Oh, like Sunday's fun. I was like, wow, this is really fun. Jesus. Matthew 23. I'm thankful that we're in a church that we could actually love Jesus and have fun with him. <laughs> you got a pastor who said, take one down and pass it around. <laughs> That needs to be recorded and put on, like, YouTube or something. Oh, my God. Spotify. Amazon Music. That is so funny. Oh, before we start talking about I'm going to talk a little today. We're going to begin talking about uh, discipleship in some ways because in January, I don't know if you all know this, but we got some groups happening for the church so that we can, um, as a church body, get together more often where Christianity happens, not just on Sunday. It's that simple. That's really all it is. Just so uh, we can, you know, be a family, not just one day a week, but hopefully more and more and more, and we can have fun together. So coming in January, those are going to start. And so we're going to begin, you know, throughout the weeks. Obviously, next week we got Chuck Perry, and then we got Christmas coming up. Then there's New Year's, a whole bunch of holidays. Uh, but we're going to begin to talk a little bit about it so that we can all as a family understand, you know, what does Scripture say and why is it important that we engage life together? Why can't it just be me and Jesus and, you know, people, people bug me sometimes, some people say, right? I remember I saw a funny comment. Someone's like, man, people, and then they're like, you know, I love people, and someone says, yeah, me, sometimes. Sometimes we can feel like that. Yeah? Jesus, I'm so glad he loved us all the time. He demonstrates his love that while we were yet sinners. How crazy. We get to imitate him and love people even when they're, you know, being boogers. <laughs> That's as, like, bad language as I get. Okay. <laughs> oh. oh, Jesus. I'm so sorry. I feel so, like, wow, Lord. I just pray that your hand would touch people right now, Father. I just see the Lord's relieving stress and anxiety from some of you. You came in, in the words of uh, Byron, you came in with a humbug spirit. You're going to be leaving with a spirit of joy. <laughs> you guys, this is a fun Christmas season. I love Christmas. I don't get to preach the next couple of weeks because, you know, there's just so many anointed people, but I just got to say some things about Christmas before we start talking about discipleship. I love Christmas. You guys, 
I don't know if you know this. It's funny. We do all these traditions, but we have no idea what we're doing. You know, like we put the Christmas tree up. We got the lights. We put all the little pictures on it. I, every year, I just love to talk about it. I love to meditate on it. I don't know if you guys, do you guys all know about the Christmas tree? <laughs> you, still, well, you all know what a Christmas tree is. You guys know, like, the meaning? Like, why do we do a Christmas tree? We're just doing it. We're like, well, mom did it. I'd do it. It smells good. Lights are pretty. Right? There's so much more than that. It's funny. I love it. We put a star on top. You guys all know Jesus. The angels came and said, uh, said there's a gift for us. Good news of great joy. A child is being born. A star went over and hovered over Bethlehem. We put a star on top of the tree. It could be an angel too. Either way it works. You get a star on top of the tree. You got lights going down the tree. Why? Because it's shining down on the present. Who's the present? Jesus. Right? Why do you put, why do you put pictures of your children why do you put pictures of your family members? Why do you put fun things like that around the tree? Because you're the light of the world. Because God's light shines through you to reveal Christ the present to the world. Isn't this fun? Why do we do this stuff? We just do it. <laughs> it all has meaning. I love it. I love it. Oh, you, guys know, you guys know Santa? I'm going to go there. You guys know Santa's real? I want to make some people mad this morning. Some people hate Christmas. It's so funny. You guys know Santa's real? Some of you are like, what? You guys know Santa was a real dude, Santa. St. Nick was a real guy. It was funny. I was outside Jesse's uh, uh, house with his son. Started thinking about St. Nick. I was laughing. He was a real guy. You guys know what he would do? He would actually walk up and down the street uh, near Christmas, and he would go to homes that were in need, poor, and the, the windows would typically be cracked open. They'd have the fires going at night, so you kind of have to have some windows open. But they would put their stockings that were washed, but they were getting dried by the fireplace. The story is he would actually go by and throw his hand in and throw in some money into these people's homes. That's what he was known to do. Isn't that fun? That's actually the history story. We know, obviously, we get the reindeer and all that stuff. I'm not talking about that, Santa. Another funny story is Santa punched a guy in the face. You all know that story? <laughs> you have to say it every Christmas. He doesn't give you coal. Santa punches you. There was a guy who was a heretic. His name was Arius. They had a big church council. All these bishops got together, and this guy, Arius, was saying this heresy about Jesus, and it really upset Santa. And he, he punched him in the face. That's the history story. You guys know history? Isn't that fun? It's like a real story. Oh, my gosh. We have all these traditions based off real people and real events. I was thinking, um, you know, in the spirit of Santa, I was thinking it'd be really good for us to be givers. And, uh, and I was just morning, I was standing there just getting whacked. And I was thinking, man, it'd be really nice to love on people who need help. And I just really felt impressed by the Holy Spirit that each of us knows somebody who could use some help. So I want us to take a moment. I want you to close your eyes. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to show you somebody right now. And I'm going to pray for them to come to your mind right now, Jesus. I pray that you would just release, whether it's just one person, maybe two. Maybe it's a family. I pray you'd release a person into their mind right now, Lord God, that we can bless. I want to encourage you, whoever that person is, 
Even if you're like, that was random, I thought of that person, that's okay, that's really good. I want to encourage you to get them something. And if you don't have money, I encourage you to do something. You don't need money to bless somebody. Maybe write them a note, a really nice note. Maybe write them a note how you think Jesus would talk to them, say over them. Maybe you want to bless them with something. Maybe you have a gift of creating things. You want to create something for them. Maybe you have just a ton of money. and You're like, I'm going to give this person some money. Give them some money. Do something really, really nice for that person. Isn't that fun? We get to be like Jesus. Yes. All right, that has nothing to do with the sermon. Here we go. Whoo! Matthew 23. You guys all still having fun? Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do, but do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with their fingers. All their works they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad, and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the best places at the feasts, the best seats in the synagogues. They love greetings in the marketplaces and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But you do not be called Rabbi, for one is your teacher, the Christ, and you are all brethren. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father who is in heaven. And do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the Christ. But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Amen? Amen. That's a fun passage. It's actually a really unique passage. Sometimes people read it and get really confused because later on the church, uh, even in the Bible, people are called teachers. People are called fathers. Paul says you have many teachers, but you don't have many spiritual fathers, right? So what's Jesus hitting on right here when he's saying this? So today we're going to talk a little bit about discipleship. What does discipleship look like in the church? That's my question to you that we're going to start to think about. What does discipleship look like in the church? Jesus is talking to all the multitudes And he points out the Pharisees. Aren't the kids so cute? Look at them all. He points out the Pharisees and he says, these guys, these guys got a lot of talk but not a lot of work. There's someone standing in your midst who has come to do the work for you and has come to truly teach you. He's the Christ, the Messiah. Jesus is saying something very powerful. He's the teacher for us all, yes? Yes. Back in that day, they had a culture where they would do stuff like this. You'd have, you'd have a rabbi. Everybody say rabbi. And then you'd have a bunch of disciples. Say disciple. A disciple wasn't just a student like we think of students at university or maybe in second grade. Uh, a disciple was somebody. Man, there's a lot of planes today. Everybody wave. KTLA 5. Um, a disciple was somebody who who would follow a rabbi 
would be trained by them both academically, but would also practice what they would do. Yes? Jesus came to completely shift and change the way they were doing things. I love how Jesus comes in our lives, and sometimes he'll come into your circumstance or your situation or even your culture or your way of doing things. He'll integrate himself into it, but he doesn't leave you in that way. Does he ever do that to you? You're doing something, Jesus shows up in it. It's not that he approves whatever that was, but he's just pulling you out of it. He comes right on in, comes right on out. Jesus comes as the great rabbi. He's got all these disciples. And then he says, don't call anyone rabbi. What's he saying? Well, Jesus knew something. And what he knew was is that he was going to be pouring out a gift upon all of his people. What was the gift? Anybody know? It's the Holy Spirit. Everybody say Holy Spirit. Jesus was going to pour out the Holy Spirit on all of his people. It was the gift of God to be poured out because the gift of God, Jesus, bled and died for all of us, so he was going to give us all something. Are we following? So when Jesus is saying, don't call anyone teacher, he's not saying no one's going to be a teacher to you because obviously Jesus is in you and you and you and you. Jesus is in me, and Jesus teaches us through people. Does he not? Yes, he does. And God's given gifts to the church, apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers, for the equipping of the saints so that the church might be lacking in nothing so that we can do every good work. Amen? Amen? Okay. So God gives gifts to the church, but why does he say then don't call anyone teacher? Because what he's doing is he's redefining the practice of discipleship from the Jews and how they would do it. Are we following what I'm saying? Okay. So he's not saying you're not going to have any teachers. He is not saying don't call dad your dad, your earthly dad. He's not saying don't call dad, dad. That's not what Jesus is talking about. What he's doing is he's calling out the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and he's shifting culture and how we actually view discipleship, how we view how we grow as people. We don't grow as people by finding one, one dude on the earth and then that person tells us everything we need to know. That's not how Christians do that. Look, 2,000 years, Christians aren't doing that anymore. Why? Because Jesus flipped the script. He said, don't do that. So what does he end up doing? He says, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. So what happens is, as a community, they begin to get discipled one with another, all together. He gives gifts to the church, but within the context, the Holy Spirit is in every person. It doesn't matter if it's a male. It doesn't matter if it's a female. God could speak through each of us. You guys know there's a lot of people who think women can't teach or speak in church? I'll challenge that all day long. If that really bugs you, what I just said, come talk to me afterwards. Let's go. Let's get in the Bible together. I won't yell. We'll just drink a cup of coffee and chit-chat. It's really biblical. I'll pour my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall. What? Oh, they get to talk. My goodness. God is in each of us, and he wants a disciple. It's funny, if you ask a lot of people in the church, you say, are you being discipled? There's a lot of people who will go, I guess I haven't been discipled as I've been a Christian, because their mind goes to some Jewish concept in the, in the, in the Gospels, and they go, well, I don't have this rabbi person in my life who's telling me everything to do. And they go, I guess I haven't been. I don't have that one person. Well, the church actually hasn't done that for 2,000 years, because Jesus flipped the script. 
Are you guys following what I'm saying right now? So how does he, how does he disciple in community? Well, when we get together, when the Spirit is moving, the Bible says earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. God wants to move through each person. God begins talking. God begins giving revelation. God gives people who are spiritual leaders in various capacities to the church, not so that those people could do all the work, but so that those people could equip you, the church, so that you can all do the work. Isn't this fun? Wow. How do I know this is true? Go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. First Corinthians 3. This is Paul speaking to the Corinthians. He says, <clears throat> I, Paul, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as carnal, as to babes in Christ. Carnal means fleshly. As to babes in Christ, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now you were not able to receive it. Even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So that neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. Wow. Let's stop right there. What's he saying? He's saying, he's saying, guys, in the early church, people started to follow. This is in the very, very beginning. They actually started to continue to follow certain Jewish ways nuances that Christ came to disrupt because he came to pour out something brand new that was never poured out. Poured out. He came to give the Holy Spirit in such a way that everybody would have the anointing of Christ himself upon them. He came to make every person a new creation. The old gone, all things are made new. So he came to revitalize. He came to renew. He came to restore his original purpose. He came to literally bring dead things alive. And so when you change something that drastically, norms and ways and cultures and things like that, they change. And in the early church, people were going back and referring to the way that some of the Jews were doing things. And what they would do is say, I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. What are they doing? They're basically doing the, the old school rabbinical way of doing things, saying, you know, Paul's my man. Paul's my guy. Whatever Paul says, I do. I'm of Paul. The dude maybe baptized me. I just follow Paul. I'm his disciple. He's my rabbi. That's basically what they're saying. Oh, you're of Paul? I'm of Apollos. Whatever Apollo says, I do. That guy baptized me. So it's like, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is we're missing the bigness of what Christ has poured out on the church. That's not the plan and the mode of discipleship that Christ is, <laughs> it's not what he's initiated and given us the ability to participate in. He actually says, no, 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 no. You're of the flesh right now. When you're thinking of these individuals being the one person who is going to disciple you, you're in the flesh, the Bible says. It says, get in the spirit. 
start to see the living God, Christ, who's doing all these things, giving the increase through whatever leaders in the church, Christ is giving the increase, and we're all called to participate in this. He goes on in the same book in Corinthians, and he starts talking about the gifts of the Spirit. He starts telling them to basically earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, to start just going wild with it in a really loving way, because they were going wild, just not loving. Wow. Isn't this fun? So why, how do we get discipled in the church? How you get discipled in the church is step one. You ready? Go to church. Is this difficult? <laughs> step two, talk to people. Nicely. Talk to people. Engage people. Ask people out to dinner. If you're single, know who you're asking, but hey, ask people out to dinner. Ask people out to dinner. Take people to coffee. Give some people presents. Get to know some people. How do you get discipled? Get in. Dig in. Get some shovels and build a trench. So we're going to battle together. Let's go. How do you grow? Where does Jesus walk? He walks in the midst of the lampstands. That's the church. He's walking. He's moving. He's speaking. Someone's like, man, where's my answer? It's probably in your buddy right next to you. He probably has got a great word for you. Some of us going, man, I keep thinking about this for that person, but you never share it. Share it! Because that person's going, man, what's the answer? <laughs> Step one, come together. Learn together. Grow together. Hang out together. You guys know discipleship with Jesus is also personal. It's intimate. It's not bound to other people. I know of some Christians who are just all by themselves, literally, physically, and they thrived because they had to be. But God was their portion. He's everything you need. How come you can thrive in community? Because you have everything you need in Jesus to you're literally overflowing so that you can pour it out on others. You don't need to be a leech. You guys ever read the end of Proverbs? It talks about certain things that never say enough. A leech is one of them. You don't want to be a leech. A leech. A leech is pulling on people to supply to them what God wants to supply to them. We can do this in marriages. We could do this in friendships. We can just do this at church. You could do this in random relationships. You can pull on people because you're wanting something so deep that you're trying to pull from something, something that that person's not meant to give you. God is. Now, maybe you could pull from God and say, God, I earnestly desire God. God, I'm pulling from you. And it might come through a person, but that's different. God wants to pour out through people, but he doesn't want you to be a leech on people. God, God wants you to receive from people, but he doesn't want you to be dependent on people. How do we get discipled? We get discipled with each other in healthy connections, in growing together, speaking together. You guys know the Bible says iron sharpens iron. Some of y'all get some kinks knocked out of you when you start talking to some of your friends, and then you go, I don't know what I think about that. And the person says, well, I think this. You know, the Bible says this. Oh, that bugs me. <laughs> well, good. 
That's okay. We can still be friends. Let's sharpen each other. Let's talk about it. You know, you never sharpen a knife by smacking it against the flint. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't try to cut the rock. Iron sharpens iron doesn't mean it's clanging. That's not helpful. My Bible says iron sharpens iron, so I'm going to go really hard on you. No, you're not called to clank me. Sharpen me. To sharpen something, you got to come alongside it. Not, you got to come here, work together, come to a common purpose, a common vision, a mutual love, an honor, a respect for one for another. If we can't respect another person and see the Holy Spirit in another person, that that person could talk to us and give to us, how can we come beside someone else to receive anything from the Lord? I could receive from this person, but not that person. God could talk through a donkey. Not that you should ever think that a person's a donkey. But God could talk through a donkey. That's a wild Bible verse, by the way. A donkey talked in the Bible. Anybody think that's wild? I'm talking a true story, not make-believe. A donkey spoke. If I had a donkey right here and I put the microphone and it started talking, I'm pretty sure half of us would start crying in fear. That is crazy. I would be in awe. That's a Bible story. I just wanted to like highlight it, magnify it a little bit. A donkey spoke. Sometimes we say these stories just like, what? A donkey spoke. You guys know the sun stopped? Like the earth stopped rotating? You guys know that happened actually multiple times in the Bible? Multiple times? One time it happened for hours so that the Israelites could destroy the army, the bad army. The sun just stood still for hours. How wild is that? This one will really mess some people up. You know God actually made it go backwards? Some of you are like, do I really believe the Bible anymore? Well, let me challenge you a little more. It's not the way the world works, Micah. It rotates around the sun and it spins this many thousands, however many miles an hour. This is the way it works, Micah. Yeah, well, God stopped the earth from spinning around the sun. He also stopped the earth from spinning, period. And then he turned it backwards a little bit. I said, okay, keep going. You guys know that's in your Bible? Some of us are like, I don't know if God's going to come through for me or if he can come through for me. (gasps) Isn't that wild? People, we got a crazy fun God. He stopped the earth. They literally looked at the sundial go backwards in time. They were like, wait, what? It's supposed to go that way opposite. How wild is that? How does that work? I have no idea. It's crazy. It's in the Bible. Anyways, it has nothing to do with the sermon, but God's good. God wants us to begin to grow one with another. So if you think of discipleship in your life, I just want to encourage you, throw out, throw out the idea that you need some rabbi, some man rabbi in your life to tell you everything. 
and you need to meet with them six times a day, otherwise you're not really getting discipled, I want you to throw that out the window because Jesus did, because he said you have one rabbi in your midst, you have one teacher in your midst. Then he goes on, he says, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit who will lead you into all truth. Yes. And we all, with the Holy Spirit, the fire of God, get to come together and make one big old bonfire. We get to hear from him. Nobody is greater than the next. Humble yourselves and you will be exalted, he says. Humble yourselves. What is he saying? He's saying you can hear from God through anybody. Let even the little children proclaim the praises and glories of God. God wants to move through each and every single one of us. I'll go back to the first question. How do you see yourself? How do you see yourself? It's hard for us as humans to pour out the power and the manifestations of God if we believe, first and foremost, that we're still our old person who we were pre-Jesus on the other side of the river. <laughs> when I said river, you guys ever seen? Oh, I don't want to talk about it. Down by the river. No? Okay, it's like three people that know that comedy joke. I'm not going there. Jesus, help me. How do you see yourself? Because how you see yourself, it's not about seeing yourself in some prideful, selfish way, guys. This is about seeing yourself through what the blood paid for. Why, why put, oh, why, why belittle the blood of Jesus and see yourself like you used to be when he says the old things have passed away? Why do we do that? Well, we have bad habits. And those habits need to get squashed. So therefore, God's given you a pastor to tell you, stop doing that. <laughs> we get to let it go. We get to see ourselves for what the blood has paid for. You get to see yourself for who you truly are. Filled with the Holy Spirit. A temple of the Holy Spirit. Empowered by God Almighty who lives inside of you. Who wants you to give an answer to your neighbor. Through love. It's really simple. It's not like all the time like crazy fireworks are going off. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes the powerful thing is like being like a coal of fire. I was thinking about this the other day in meditation. You know, I don't always want to just be a firework. I just want to, I want to be like hot like a coal. I just want to be like steady, burning, so hot. And if God wants to throw some fireworks on that bad boy, I got some fire in me that'll light them off at any moment. You know? I don't want to go from like cold firework, cold firework, cold firework. No, I want to be a hot coal before the throne of God at incense. You're all an aroma. What do you smell like? Hopefully you smell good. Wow. Are we having fun? You're a hot, hot coal of fire. You might not always feel spectacular. Feel. Notice I said feel. You are spectacular. You got the Holy Ghost in you. You might not always feel spectacular. You might not always feel like a firework, but you're on fire. Yeah. Let it burn. How do you see yourself? 
the church needs you to see yourself rightly because the church wants to receive something from you by the Holy Spirit. And it might come in a moment of just saying hello to a friend. Being a smile. I was thinking before service, I was like, some people just need to see someone smiling. I was thinking that. I would just get so depressed if I had to watch someone not smile for 45 minutes. But, you know, you guys, we're happy people. We definitely feel sadness. Yeah? I don't know about you. I, I, I could feel sadness sometimes. But God is my joy. You guys ever get joy bubbles? I just pray joy bubbles happen to every single one of you. You can't even help it. You're just like, I don't know why, but I feel really giddy right now. And it ain't the coffee. It's the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost. Smile can actually impact your brother so much and your sister. A smile. If you're like, I can't really do anything. Just smile. <sighs> it's a good day. Is that like super spiritual? No. This is, this is Christianity. Love your neighbor. Give some hope to your brother. So, Father, I don't know what, how much time do we have, Jess. I don't have a clock back there. Thanks. So, Father, I just thank you right now. Lord, we thank you. I thank you for every person that you put on our mind to bless in this season. We thank you, God, for Christmas. <laughs> thank you that every day is a birthday. Every day is a day of celebration that, that good news and joy has come to the world. Guys, I really hope, i just speaking to you right now, I, I really hope that some of our mindsets can be flipped from, man, I really want or need to, God, who, who can we bless? I really hope some mindsets can shift. Maybe it goes right back tomorrow to like, I need something, but man, we'll just keep reminding each other. I really hope some, uh, maybe a couple people's mindsets change from, I want, I need, I need to. Jesus, who can we bless? Because you're starting to see yourself glowing, shining white. Who can we bless, Jesus? Let's do the blessing train. Let's make it rain. God, I just pray that you'd make it rain spiritually. I pray you'd make it rain physically. I pray you'd make it rain uh, just even with finances, God, and blessing upon your church, Lord Jesus, to be a blessing to others. Here's another word I want to say. Some people think that you could be a blessing once you get a certain amount in your bank account. If you can't be a blessing with a dollar in your bank account, you won't be a blessing with a thousand and you won't be a blessing with a million. I know some people, some of my close people, friends, and it was, you know, when they get a certain level, a certain level of blessed, a certain level of success, then they'd start giving or start tithing. Then they would start help, like doing certain things. If you can't be faithful with little, you won't be faithful with much. Start to be faithful with little. Start to love on some people. Amen. Could I get the uh, prayer team up here? I wanna, we're going to give some time. I want to give some time where we can press in spiritually for individuals that are looking for prophetic words. Uh, if you need any physical healing, God still heals. Thank Jesus. God loves to do miracles in our lives, and we get to be in the wonderful place of coming to him to receive and thanking him. So if you need that, this team is more than capable of pouring that out on you. If you, in this church, 
go up and meet somebody after church. I want to challenge every single person in here, someone you haven't talked to after church, and just go up to them and just say, hi. And just introduce yourself. If it goes anywhere, fine. But just introduce yourself to someone you've never talked to. There's a lot of people, and some of us never talk to each other. I'm not saying everybody's got to meet every person at every moment, but maybe find one person that I challenge you, church. Amen? All right. Love you guys. What? Hello, new visitors. If you're new, raise your hand. So you're like, where am I right now? Woo! We got a gift for you. Uh, at the table, right after service, go to the table. There's a fun gift for you, blessed gift. Um, anything else I'm missing? If anybody, uh, if you can help put the chairs away, they're going to be walking around with the chair thing. Look, he's already going. Mike's amazing. Everybody give me a hand for Mike. Look at him. Such a servant. Uh, if you can help put your chair away, uh, if you can't carry it, it's totally fine. Someone will do it. Amen? All right. And then in about five minutes, we're going to start the Hearing from God class. Um, this is for if you've never prophesied or it's been a long time or you just need to re, kind of relearn some stuff. It's really just learning how to listen to God for somebody else. Super simple, a lot of fun. We've done it about 400 times. So happy to do it again. I love it. So come on over in about five minutes. We'll make another announcement. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit our website at presenceoc.org to find out more about Presence Church.